Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. The Big Chief with a badge, a cattle prod and a head on a stick. <laughs> Dangerous mid-morning debate with the great dictator. The independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. I go away for a day and all hell breaks loose. When I flew back into Heathrow from New York last night, I wasn't sure if there would even be a government in power. For Prime Minister Theresa May, surely the writing is now on the wall and it says, go now. I really can't see how she can continue after the Brexit rebellion of yesterday when she lost both David Davis and Boris Johnson. We'll get the lowdown of what happens next from our very own Katie Perrier and maybe people going today as well. Plus, we want to hear from you as well as that. Is it worth forcing a general election now? is the big question. 0344 499 1000. Daisy McAndrew is here as well. Coming up, we'll be asking why the royal family can't go to Russia but what is inevitably going to be a triumphant week in the World Cup with Theresa May's government in tatters. Why would anyone want to heed her warnings anyway? 0344 499 1000. Uh, also, we'll be finding out uh, what it's really like to be a model at a casting call. We've got breaking news on George Clooney. We've got everything going on. This is the Independent Republic of Mike Graham and you're listening to me and Daisy McAndrew right here on Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Basically, Katie, uh, everything that you said would happen did happen. <laughs> Good morning. Yes, I'm not Mystic Meg, but yes, occasionally <laughs> you can see these things coming in politics. And I felt that it was a moment uh, within the Conservative Party that, we, you know, you can't stand the fence forever. I keep on saying that on your show, Mike. And uh, she proved it on Friday that actually... You know, she wasn't going to wait any longer. She was going to take a, a path, and uh, what would be would be. She knew what was coming, and I think she's handled it all right. I disagree with you, actually, earlier. I think she's handled it the best way possible. But no, she hasn't, though. That's the problem. I mean, everything she handles, she handles in the best way that she thinks she can handle it. But actually, what we've now discovered is what we really need is somebody to lead the country, not just to try and appease everybody that doesn't agree with you. Well, she hasn't appeased them because they've walked... Well, yeah, so but she tried to appease them, didn't she? And she, she no, she tried to win them over to her way of thinking. She get she was a bit of a as David Davis has now said a Brexit ambush. Mm. She brought them into the to the cabinet at Checkers. She said this is the way forward that we've worked on for many many months. We'd love to have roses and unicorns, but unfortunately, some of these things are much harder than anticipated. This is a Brexit deal. We can work on it all day long, but at the end of the day, you've got to sign up to it. You've got to have collective responsibility. And David Davis and Boris Johnson have done the right thing because they can't sign up to that, so they have walked. But the majority of the Conservative Party, she she faced the 1922 committee last night, the majority of the Conservative Party actually support her. And if there was a vote of no confidence tomorrow, she would win it. 
But Katie, surely that's the point. That's the only reason they're supporting her is because they know that there isn't an alternative. There isn't a leader in waiting and there isn't anything uh, you know, better around. So they might as well stick with what they've got. It's not, it's not a triumph. It's not a triumph, but that is the political situation we're in. The majority doesn't mean that she'll ever get a triumph in the House of Commons. Everything will be scrappy. Everything she does will be hard fought. There are no easy solutions. And by the way, she's waited for over 12 months for the Brexiteers to come forward with a great, wonderful plan for a hard Brexit. And none of it stacks up, I'm afraid. And that is the problem she's faced with, because she's not ideologically linked to one way or another. She's not a massive Brexiteer. She's not a massive Remainer. She's kind of in the middle trying to find the best deal possible. If that deal was available and she thought she could get it, she would absolutely have gone for that right now. Instead, she has got a lot of compromises. Some of the Remainers aren't happy. Some of the Brexiteers aren't happy. And there's a long way to go yet. I mean, the party conference season will be, you know, evil in terms of, you know, all the briefing that goes on in the That's only because you and I will be in the same room as late as midnight. I mean, that's probably why it's going to be evil. But here's the other thing. Well, here's the other thing. I don't mention karaoke. Boris Johnson, in his resignation letter, quite rightly points out that the deal that she presented on Friday at Chequers is actually worse than the deal we got now. Absolutely. When we're still in the EU. Well, how can she possibly stand over that with any sense of self um, sort of aggrandizement, with any sense of leadership, with any sense of, of justice? Because that's the, the, the realities of it are that you either go for this hard Brexit deal, which does have amazing opportunities at the other end, free trade deals with the US and elsewhere, going about our own way, but has severe consequences in the short term, or you go for something much more closely aligned with the EU, but unfortunately you have to swallow some unattractive things. Either way, at the moment, I would argue it is worse than we've got now. But I didn't vote for Brexit, so you know I, I, I hope we can come to some arrangement because... I now accept the result of the referendum and I think people should move forward together and we should leave the EU. People voted to leave the EU. I don't think you can change their minds. I don't think you can you know, go to a second referendum and a third referendum. I actually think we should get on with it and do the best deal possible. But she's a realist. She's a pragmatic leader. But she's not, you know, She struggles because it's not easy, but... If she could find a breaded Brexit deal, I think she would she'd grasp but it. But Katie, as you said, and I completely respect this because you know you didn't vote for Brexit, and therefore you kind of think you know yes, it would have been better in your mind for none of this to ever happen. But given where we are, this is the better option. But people who did vote for Brexit, I don't think will think this is the better option. I think they will feel very let down by this. Well, you know, the choices they've got to face in themselves and Theresa May will put this, you know, to Parliament at some point. Don't forget, parliamentarians have the final say in this. They can either shoot it down uh, and say, you know, if they shoot it down, it's not a let's go back to the way we are. It will be, we don't like your deal. We're going to shoot it down and we're going to go for the no deal option instead. And people need to truly understand what no deal looks like before they absolutely sign up to it. I don't think, I think people understand that they want to leave the EU and I respect that entirely. But I don't think people truly understand what a no deal could look like. And the trouble is, is we had such terrible campaigning during the Mm. referendum itself that people were turned off by any experts any evidence whatsoever, and it's all a load of Brexit fear tosh. The trouble is, is that some of those things are a reality, and I cannot see Macron or Merkel or anybody else bending over backwards to help us. But you see, people like Donald uh, Tusk has been tweeting, uh, talking about things like he'd hoped that Brexit and the whole idea of Brexit would disappear along with Davis and Johnson. You know, the sense is that in the EU, they want us to stay in, or at least if we leave, we leave on their terms, which which change very little. Theresa May appears to be playing into their hands, and you can't really uh, uh, say to Boris Johnson and David Davis that they're wrong to walk away from that, because they are actually representative of the people that won the referendum, not her. Absolutely. I never said they were wrong. I entirely respect Boris Johnson. 
Johnson and David Davis for their positions. And they will fight for that from the back benches. And there will be one humdinger of a row at some point come the autumn because they won't just sit back and let the, you know, the Prime Minister go ahead with the Brexit deal that they think is Brexit in name only, as we've talked about yeah. on the show before. So, um, you know, I think this is not over yet. But... You know, I go back to the point where, you know, the Conservative Party will stay united for now because, you know, they're, they're in fear of Jeremy Corbyn being prime minister. But the truth of it is, is that Theresa May, if she had a better plan and she thought something that she could get through the EU, she would. Macron's not budging. He thinks this is a rise of populism across the West and he ain't budging. He's fought it from Paris and he certainly won't let roll over for the UK because if they give us a great deal, they're going to give Poland a great deal. Italy's going to want the same thing. They're all going to start breaking away from their special little club and they're not going to have that. And that's why it's going to be really tricky. Uh, David Davis is right though this is going to go right to the wire. That's the way the EU do things. You know they did it on the Greece budget when you know mm. we thought for a minute. Yeah but is European that really where Britain fold. is? We want to be treated like Greece? I mean come on. You know we are founding members of the European Union. We should not be being treated this way by Europe or allowing the Europeans to treat us this way. It's our own fault. I agree I agree with that but then they set the, the parameters in which the negotiations was going to go forward, were going to go forward and Theresa May signed up to that and I think that was probably one of the earliest mistakes uh, in her government, she should never have signed up to their way of planning. She should have pushed and pushed and pushed and said, no, it's our exit from the EU. We will run this show and we will tell you what we want from a future relationship. Instead, we've allowed them to run this whole negotiation yeah. strategy. And it's been a pantomime. It's been pantomime politics, playing one one end to the other. And, uh, you know, what we read and what we hear in public is different from what goes on behind closed doors. And at some point, they, those two need to meet in the middle. Katie, you talked about pantomime. And, of course, you know, lots of people think of uh, Boris Johnson as something of a, of a pantomime figure. The, the way he resigned was all a bit sort of bodged, wasn't it? You know, saying to telling number 10 and then number 10, uh, you know, announcing it at three o'clock so that he couldn't, he hadn't even written his letter yet. I mean, it just... It, he hadn't it, even it, made the phone call to organise the picture. Yeah, it was just all <laughs> of a bit of a mess and rather typical. Uh, yes, I mean, you know, they basically trumped him because they were furious that they were you know, going to lose a second cabinet minister on the trot. So they couldn't keep to the Brexit promise that, you know, they made just a couple of days ago at Chequers. Um, and so they decided to release that to, to rush him along and, you know, ruin his plans, as it were. And it, it does go to show that politics can be very childish sometimes. I mean, that text message to the Brexiteers. Uh, going into Chequers last week about, you know, there's taxis at the door. It's very mm. funny, but you can see how offended they've been by that. Mm. You know, they're saying, well, don't treat us like this. We are here representing millions of people that voted a certain way and you're treating us like naughty school kids and I, we won't stand for it. And I think that we'll look back and realise that that was a real mistake. I think you're so right, Katie, but also I don't think it's just the Brexiteers and the people who received that message that got very insulted. I think, you know, a lot of the electorate are mm. really insulted because they, you know, we look on to this pantomime or this mess and think they're all just kids playing in the playground but actually what they're doing you know, it's really serious subject we're all the ones who've been waiting for two years for something to happen they've been doing nothing but sending each other childish text messages and actually you know, the lack of trust and where we started this whole process and one of the reasons why so many people voted for Brexit is because you know a complete lack of trust or respect for the Westminster establishment and they're doing nothing to regain that by this pantomime as mm. you called it. I would utterly agree with you there. I mean, I've been doing lots of media interviews this morning and I've been saying to people, look, you know, in the Westminster bu bubble, it's all about who's up, who's exactly. down, who's going to win, is there going to be a vote of no confidence? People at home do not give a toss. They voted for Brexit two years ago and they are sick to back teeth of politicians fighting like cats in a sack, trying to you know, argue amongst themselves. The country have no appetite for a general election. They actually don't really have an appetite for a new prime minister. They just want one that wants to run the country instead of fighting over Brexit. And they want the whole of parliament and government to get on with it.
But I've read a piece uh, this morning uh, and, and last night as well um, about how the last three Tory prime ministers have basically been brought down by, by the European question. And it looks as though Theresa May will as well, because you've worked for Theresa May, you've worked for Boris Johnson. They are both now head to head, absolutely, you know, daggers drawn. Only one of them can win. Uh, but the people who are going to lose are not just uh, the current government, the current cabinet, but the whole country. Well, I don't think they will win. I think that they know they haven't got the numbers. And Boris Johnson didn't want to resign because he knows he hasn't got the numbers for a leadership contest. He hasn't got the backing of a majority of his party. Don't forget, they're all playing with a very, very thin, difficult parliamentary arithmetic. Yeah. You know, the Conservative majority, you, you know, they have to rely on the DUP just to get a few votes through on things like money and other things. They don't, you can't rely on lots of other people. Why the Conservative Party chose to brief Labour, the SNP and other political parties uh, in Westminster yesterday is because they're going to have to rely on them to get some of these votes through. Having to rely on your opposition is a terrible place to be. Well, so is. I don't think the Brexiteers will bring Theresa May down. I think that she, if she stands firm, she will see this through. Well, I still think my idea last week was you poo-pooed, which everybody's now coming up with, apparently, <laughs> which is to put Labour in with the Tories and Brexiteers all uh, are us and just form a cabinet made of people who actually want to leave the European Union as opposed to people who don't. I mean, I'd love to see that happen, but it's never going to happen in a million years because politics is full of very tribal people. Mm. Uh, you know, even if I'm seen out with someone drinking, a Labour Party member drinking, you know, I'll get reported back to me the other day, oh, you were so seen out with some Labour Party people. Yeah, they happen to be my friends. And last time I was I'll told... I'll give you a few ideas of where to go where you won't be spotted. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, how do you know about these places? But what about this? Esther McVeigh, Liam Fox, Penny Mordaunt, Chris Grayling, four musketeers named in some of the papers this morning as, as possible uh, next-to-go cabinet members and, 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 and people who will, who will sort of, you know, turn their backs on Theresa May. Do you see any of that happening? Quite possibly over time. I mean, the fact is, is the deal that was agreed at Chequers was just our opening gambit. And the EU, if they try and water it down further, or they try and change it, then even those that signed up to it in the room that agreed with it will be cross. And so it just depends on how far Theresa May is willing to go. If she says these are her red lines and it's either this or a no deal, which I would recommend if I was sitting at number 10, I would say you draw the line at this Prime Minister, you say it's this or no deal, and you tell the Europeans there ain't no budget because you've given enough way, you know, you've given enough uh, movement towards the Remain side of the camps, you can't give any more. You know, if she stays firm on that, then I think she'd be absolutely fine. If she starts wobbling either way, I think she's in trouble and some of those other Brexiteers around the cabinet table might decide to walk. Right. And I mean, the Lib Dems up until, um, I suppose, well, I'm assuming up until even this point, are still the only party who are uh, for staying in the European Union, right, officially? Yes, correct. So is that still your position? Yes, it is. And uh, I, I think that as each day goes by and we learn more about uh, the implications of Brexit, uh, for instance, we've, um, we've seen you know, figures from the, the, the investment that's going into car manufacturing, for instance, have halved uh, compared to a comparable period last year. Uh, I think as each day goes by and this information comes out, then I think the case for uh, staying in gets stronger. But we would only do that because obviously this has got to be done in a way that is acceptable by means of a final say on the deal. So everyone in the country having the chance to vote on whatever deal the government's managed to secure, and there's a real risk that that will be no deal at all, uh, or vote to stay in the European Union. Well, it's curious, isn't it, that it could be that the only people responsible for saving Theresa May's job uh, are actually in the European Union, because if they go along with her proposals from Chequers on Friday, which not everybody thinks they will, um, then she will have emerged victorious. But it, I'm not sure that that's going to happen. 
I, I don't think it's going to happen either because the European Union have said from the outset that if you're if you're leaving a club, uh, as we are proposing doing, uh, then we're not going to be able to uh, sort of follow the club uh, rules and regulations uh, whilst making no contribution. Uh, and that's why the EU have said from the outset that, for instance, having a deal on goods without having a deal on services is not going to be acceptable, yet that is what the Prime Minister has proposed at Chequers. But Tom, looking at the the wider um, UK political scene. Obviously, as as Mike said, the Lib Dems are you know, dead against Brexit and and would dearly like it to see you know to see it not happen. Clearly there are a number of people in the country that would agree with you. But the trouble is every time that there's you know you've tried to hook up with other like minded people, you know, a lot of commentators say, you know, oh, it's it's a stitch up, a backroom stitch up of the sort of Westminster elite and and whenever you've tried to do that it hasn't gone down well, has it? Well, I must say that, I mean, certainly our results in the general election a year ago were, were not too good. But if you look at the results in the council elections uh, that we've just had in, in May, the best results that we've had in 15 years. So we might we must be saying something right, certainly. Uh, so you think people voted people in, the lo- in the locals no, on, on Brexit? No, that's, a waste. that's an absolute nonsense. That. Well, I, I think what, what, what it shows is that, you know, the positions we're adopting in relation to Brexit are not ones that, that people are, are, you know, are putting people off support us at a local level. But, I mean, let's not forget that in the EU referendum, there were 48% of people who voted to remain. Uh, I think the, 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 the polls currently show that, that that margin has increased slightly, so that currently it's, it's sort of 52, 53 who would vote to remain uh, versus 48, 44. Well, there's a poll out today, which shows the exact opposite of that, to be honest. It's a, um, a poll which has been put out by, uh, let me see, where is it now? Um, the British Social Attitudes study it says that 36% of interviewees wanted to leave the EU, up from 22% in 2015. So, I mean, I would say that there's a move more in the opposite direction. Well, I, I don't know what the counterpart of that that poll was in terms of ones who wanted to, to stay in the European Union. So, uh, I, you know, there might have been a majority. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not looking at the figures that, that you're looking at. But I think what we've seen is that there is agreement across the country that the governments are conducting the negotiations in a catastrophic fashion. We had I'm not even sure they're doing it. I mean, it doesn't seem to me to be any negotiations. I mean, it doesn't seem to be actually I mean, negotiating with each other, but not with the European Union. Well, it, it, exactly. And I think that's why people know that these, these are going to be a catastrophe, because we are now... Uh, eight months away from March when we're supposed to be leaving, but but the deal that the Prime Minister had apparently secured, where she secured the support of the Cabinet on, on Friday, uh, fell apart by, by Sunday or Monday. Yeah. So, but, uh, I mean, it, you can't, in fairness, Tom, you can't keep asking for a second referendum um, because then everybody else will want a second and a third and a fourth and a fifth referendum. So, you know, well, at some point or other, we have to surely go with what the political will of the people was, which is to leave. And it's the politicians' job, which they're failing at miserably, to negotiate how that happens. Well, I mean, I agree with um, uh, David Davis and also, interestingly, Dominic Raab, the new Brexit secretary, who are both on record as saying that, a, you know, a, uh, first of all, in David Davis's case, a democracy isn't a democracy if it can't change its mind. And secondly, in relation to what Dominic Raab has said, where he was calling for uh, a second referendum. So, you know, I think there are circumstances. If, if circumstances change dramatically, which I would argue that they have, all of the, the, the goodies that would be 
people were being promised in terms of leaving the European Union, none of those are going to materialise. The fact that um, there, there would appear to have been illegal overspending by the Vote Leave, Be Leave campaign, there might or might not have been interference from, from foreign well, this actors. Is all, this is all just referendum. sort of noise is off, isn't it, going off around well, the stage? I mean, the main the, stage the vote, still is there because people put the politicians in place to negotiate how to leave the European Union. And until that happens, I don't think the Lib Dems have got a hope in hell of getting anybody to support them. Well, uh, unfortunately, um, I mean, or fortunately for us, if you look at the polls, actually there is a very there is a strong majority of people who do actually favour a final say on the deal. They might not necessarily say, and we would vote to stay in the EU if that was one of the options. But certainly, I think on the back of the fact that people are seeing a shambolic uh, negotiation taking place, there is a growing demand for a final say on the deal, and that is what we will continue to push for. And indeed, we've got a debate today in Parliament, the first position day devoted to the Lib Dems in the last three years or so in, in Parliament, where we'll be pushing exactly that case. OK, we'll be watching closely, Tom. Thank you very much indeed. Tom Brake, Lib Dem spokesman for exiting the EU, uh, which, of course, they don't want to do. Let's talk to Hugh, who's in Rygate. Hello, Hugh. Oh, you said oh, hello yeah, to him. Is he offended? I'm very, very well indeed. Very good to be back in such a term, term, turbulent time. <laughs> Well, I was just really... I say, excellent show, well, I mean, it's been some great interviews today. I mean, I'm in, I'm in full agreement with Katie. I think pragmatic Theresa May did well to get uh, Johnson and Davis out of the Cabinet, and hopefully a few more people who are causing problems will, will leave as well. But isn't it just kind of pathetic, though? And she's not, she's not running the world. She's not running the event. She's kind of reacting to it. Yeah, no, I, I have some sympathy with that, but we are where we are to a certain extent. I mean, we have a divided nation yeah. on this subject. In fact, Europe is divided on this subject because there's millions of people across Europe who would have voted to leave as well. Yes. Um, and I, I think she's trying to make the best of a bad job. Um, we can't have disunity carrying on. I mean, I, I, I agree with the professor that you had on earlier that something is going to emerge from this, something new. I mean, both political parties are hopefully split. Yeah. I mean, the Lib Dem guy trying to say that local election votes... You know, I know. I mean, I mean talk about right. grasping at straws. Well, 25% turnout, whatever it was. I mean, you know, these people are, do not live in the real world. No. I mean, all these people are resigning. You know, the, the, the chances are that, I don't know, they always do these things, that, you know, that say that only three people only know three cabinet members' names. I doubt if it's that many out of this bunch. They're <laughs> no-hopers. <laughs> well, I mean, it's one of those situations where who's, you know, who's the Foreign Secretary today? I mean, you know, it might be somebody completely different next week. Um, and somebody's just tweeted me saying, why doesn't Boris go to Russia uh, now that he's got some time on his hands? Which I suppose he could do in an unofficial capacity. He could, you know. because his famous diplomatic skills mm. could be put to really good use in Russia, not. Yeah. The, I mean, the, the problem is, and I completely agree with um, you, that, the, the, that there could and probably will be some sort of groundswell, a new movement. The problem with a new movement actually becoming a political party is when you look at the funding that you need to a political yeah. party, it's not like... Um, in America or France where it's a presidential system so all you're really trying to fund is you know when I say all you really need a huge amount of money in yeah. France or America to run a presidential but campaign look, I mean, look what but momentum a, have done for, yeah but look what momentum have done for labor momentum have done for labor what the trade unions could not really do which was to actually make sure that they had enough funding to run all sorts of campaigns which they had run out of money to yes do. but don't forget they were adding to existing funding yeah. and you know and sort of making
making it more efficient. But if you're starting a new party, you don't have any of that funding at all. No. You don't have the short money from government. You don't have the union money. You don't have the big business money. And I mean, and if you have to, but if, if you're you doing get a fiver from everybody who joins, sometimes that can be enough. It's a crowdfunding type. Thing. But the trouble is, good when you've got 365 constituencies, and even you know some parties obviously don't campaign in all constituencies. Yeah. So you simply can't afford to. But if you're going to make any headway at all, you've got to campaign in yeah. at least half of those. I mean, Hugh, and from what you're saying, impossible. from what you're saying, Hugh, you would consider you know voting for somebody else. Well, I would, and I, I, I think a presidential style. Uh, system is going to emerge from this eventually. So let's face it, the people don't vote for their local MPs. They vote for the Prime Minister yeah. in a general election. Um, you know, we, and, and your idea, which came, you know, first came up in a conversation we were having on the show a couple of weeks ago, yeah. is that, you know, a government of all the talents, yes. you know, a president or a prime minister that gets elected and then selects his, his or her cabinet from the best people for the job yeah. uh, that isn't tied to parliamentary cycles to actually set up plans to run the the major services of this country yeah. has to be the way to go. I think, I think so, because you, it's also true to say that if you have a referendum which is across party lines, you know, why do you have to have a government about one party when you can have a government about the result of the referendum, that would be my view. I mean, I'm, I completely believe in electoral reform and I think there's so much wrong with mm. our current system, both in the voting method and in the House of Lords and the House of Commons. But to do any of those changes, you have to have another referendum. Would anybody want to oh, have another referendum God. when this one's well, been such a Well, not one on reform because nobody understands well, it. Well, nobody it and people say this, you know, the Brexit referendum was bad enough and created more problems than it was worth. Even if you believe in leaving the yeah. EU, you couldn't possibly deny that it was, it's been dealt very badly. So I don't think there'd be any support for an electoral reform referendum. Well, we shall see. Hugh, listen, thanks very much. I've got to run. Jeremy is in Lincoln. Hello, Jeremy. Hi, Mike. Hi, Daisy. Yeah, very, very well. What would you like to say? Um, I'm, I'm basically, uh, well, just on your just recent discussion, a government of all the talent sounds great, but we really haven't got the time for that, have we? So, uh, What, you mean you know, between now and next March? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I'm not sure we've got that many talents left, to be honest, either. <laughs> exactly, yeah. My, my main point really was um, about the character of um, Theresa May. Mm. Um, I mean, I, I just, the thing that really struck me yesterday was listening to Steve Baker saying that Dexu, the Department for Exiting the EU, yeah. had been working on a white paper for weeks. Mm. And then they were blindsided by the Chequers Agreement. Right. And so they I mean, didn't even know about that. They didn't even know about it. And we haven't heard about that agreement, of course. No, so, of course. Well, this is no. a, that's, I think this is one of the reasons David Davis took the action that he did, because yep. he's known for a long time that even though he's been the sort of titular main negotiator with Brussels, there's been an awful lot going on around it. I know, but the, the very fact that they've been working for weeks on a white paper yeah. and then to be blindsided mm. by... Uh, I mean, absolutely, they, they, they obviously knew the rumblings, but they didn't obviously realise how far it was going to go right. with this uh, new uh, agreement from uh, the Chequers. Right. Uh, but it just, it just struck me when I was listening to it, I thought, and then I thought back to the, um, the uh, issue over the Dominic Grieve Amendment in yeah. the EU's withdrawal bill, how yeah. Theresa May had had a face-to-face -face meeting, and they had been changed while he was on the train or something. Right. Well, I mean, she's painted as this kind of vicar's daughter who's very steady and, uh, you know, even-handed and all of that. But she's far more, to me anyway, kind of Cruella de Vil figure. Well, exactly. I mean, and that's what... That's what so it's, it sounds all sounds very displicitous. And I think what you're talking about, Theresa May doing very well and, and, and sort of holding, holding the line and, and managing as she's going through and she's being more successful. It seems to me, that as a member of Joe Public out there, 
But all I see is someone who's incredibly dishonest. Yeah. And when I think back to the three speeches she's done, and I've, and I've, you know, I've believed in her, and I've got egg on my face. I was too naive, obviously, mm. completely naive. Right. And well, I because she she, 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 blows with the wind. You know, if the wind is is towards Vichy, as they used to say in Casablanca, that's where she's yeah. going. If the wind <laughs> is blowing towards Brexit, then she says Brexit is Brexit. But she doesn't know really what she believes in. She doesn't believe in anything. Well, Brexit is Remain, obviously, isn't well, it? Well, exactly. Then, in fact, that I mean, was then, even that I'm bit Brexit was wrong. Is, I'm a Brexiteer that's come a long way. I mean, I, 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 I've, I've said to you before on this programme, I, I think that um, the way forward is the EEA, EFTA mm. uh, and uh, country protocols. But with a view to long-term full Brexit, we need time to make it happen. Yeah. And I think we need to move forward in a practical way. Um, and that's me as a Brexiteer, because I want out of the EU eventually. You know, I want my kids to have their vote and make it mean something. I don't want to be ruled by Brussels. No. And, um, and that's where I'm at. But I think... This last thing, it just shows Theresa May it's incredibly duplicitous. Yeah. And uh, I, I don't And think I think any future. politician, I know we don't have many and haven't no. had for a long time with any kind of principle, but any politician in her position, I would have thought, should just walk away and go, you know, I cannot manage this. It needs to be done by somebody who actually believes in it because she doesn't. Well, perhaps her duplicitous nature is the very thing that will save uh, the Brexit deal because if, obviously, the, I, I imagine the ERG will just vote against uh, the deal now, which means we're forced into a no-deal situation, which no-one wants, of course. No. So, and I, I, if she walks away, though, Mike, you know, we, we're left with a leadership contest, contest, and as I said before, we just haven't got the time. No, we haven't, but I'd rather see somebody in the business of believing in something that we're supposed to have voted for rather yeah. than somebody who's simply an administrator um, and sort of fight, doing her best to fight off the people sort of, you know, throwing throwing rocks at her, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think I think that's it, yeah. I think that would be better. Jeremy, thank you very much indeed. 0344 499 Tell you what I'd like is a world broadband day, right? Because, you know, one of my favourite bugbears to moan about is the fact that broadband speed in this country is awful, right? Now it turns out that despite the fact that we're the sixth largest economy in the world, we are now 35th in the speed at which we take our broadband, right? We are now behind Latvia, Lithuania, Hungary and Romania. And I honestly think that one of the reasons that it doesn't... it doesn't get more attention is because it is a real us and them issue in that some areas, you know, the big, the big urban conurbations, yeah. the broadband tends to be absolutely fine. Yes, it might not be brilliant, but yeah. it's 3G or 4G and you can get some areas there is nothing. But the areas, it, it's the rural areas that have much less of a voice, yes. a national voice. But also it's not doing what it says on the tin. Let's talk to Dan Howdle, who's consumer telecoms analyst at cable.co.uk. Dan, a very good afternoon to you. Hi there, Mike. Thanks very much for talking to us. I mean, my biggest objection is not so much that it's slower than Lithuania. You know, some things are. However, we don't get what we're told we're getting, and that annoys me more than anything else. Yeah, well, I mean, all of that's been changing a lot uh, recently with um, uh, the broadband providers have been forced to stop uh, advertising all of this up to nonsense. And they've now got to uh, sort of advertise um, an average of the speed that they offer, which just means a really, you know, more confusing number at the end of the day. Yeah, but it's still not what we're supposed to be getting, is it? Well, I mean... Yeah, I, I, I mean, it really depends where you live. I mean, where we are actually in the kind of um, sort of international scene um, has a lot to do with um, the, the same issue, if you like, of, of kind of where you live um, compared to where the where those green cabinets are on your street, and that's due to the yeah. technology that we use. Right. I mean, I was amazed when I flew to New York the other day, Friday. I saw a guy sitting in front of me and watching what appeared to be the Brazil-Belgium game, right, live. Yeah. And I thought, well, on the pretty plane. good. On the on plane. On the plane, yeah. So I... Managed to find that they had a live TV section, and sure enough, there it was on the plane, 
Uh, we're always told, oh, you can't use your phone on the plane because it might disrupt the, uh, you know, the navigational systems. <laughs> I was, I watched Brazil Belgium live on a, on a seven seven seven. Well, yeah, I mean, um, there are. I do, but I, I don't know, I know an awful lot about um, um, broadband on planes. But I, I have heard that they're now allowing kind of mobile devices. And yeah, stuff, and I think that the, the well, they've allowed them in first sell. class for a while, so you can tell what that's all about. Mm-hmm. Can't you? <laughs> yeah, I mean, the planes themselves. I think they 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 basically create a Wi-Fi hotspot, like yeah. a, a router, and then the plane's got like a, a an uplink, I think, for it to to a satellite connection. Yeah, but what I'm saying is, if I'd been watching that on a stream in my apartment in London, mm. it would have been sticking more than it did on the. Well, I mean, you know, as as uh, Daisy said, you know, it's, it's very spotty and, and um, you know, depending on where you live. And it's not just kind of that, you know, I mean, there is a, obviously a, a correlation between you live out in the sticks. You know, it's more likely you're going to have worse broadband than someone who lives in the city. But actually, there's lots of places in, in our in our cities and in our larger towns which um, which um, still don't have uh, great speeds. And Dan, you said that it's uh, it's about the technology that's used. That, that that's one of the main reasons yeah. um, why we're so low down the table. What's wrong with our technology, and why aren't we using better technology? Okay, well, uh, back in sort of 2007-ish, when OpenReach first started, which was kind of formed so that um, other providers other than BT could kind of um, uh, offer um, uh, telecom services to, um, to people in the UK, um, and they they're responsible for the OpenReach network, which uh, most of us are on. Um, and the decision at the time was that it was much quicker to get decent broadband speeds to people to roll out a network that was the superior technology, fibre, which can go up to ridiculous speeds, but only to the point of the cabinet on the street. And, and the rest of the way would rely on the old phone lines that, are, that, are, that have been there for many, many years. And, of course, the copper phone wire is a technology that's not really designed to carry a broadband signal. We kind of force it to. And, so and we're also means- asking you to do a lot more than it used to do, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the speed needs are, are, are increasing all the time. And the problem with that last mile being copper is it can't really keep up. And if you look at the, the countries ahead of us in the table, so some of the ones you mentioned, some of these Eastern European countries, yeah. also places like Denmark, Sweden, Norway, the Scandinavian countries, um, most of these countries have one thing in common, and that is they decided to you know, go a slower way, if you like, which was to uh, um, put out a pure fibre network, so you get a fibre connection all the way to your house, um, but you know that it would, you know, knowing that it would take longer to do, but the the end result would be a lot better. So you mean slower, as in slower to implement? Slower but to implement. But obviously, yeah. once once you've got the fibre, then well, you're you're, you're away. You're away. Yeah. I mean, the I'm not convinced. Limit, yeah. I'm afraid, Dan. I'll have to get you on another time. We've got longer to argue because I feel like I have a good argument with you. But never mind. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. So if you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show, ten to one, Monday to Friday, on Talk Radio via DAB online or via the Talk Radio app. If you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio.